All right. How's everybody doing this morning? Everybody good? Yeah, uh, you know, Saturday morning, I, I woke up and uh, I, I woke up early to go on my run. And uh, shout out to Street Gospel Podcast for supplying me with content for my runs in the morning. Uh, but I was listening to Dave's podcast and uh, I, I get a text from my mom. And keep in mind, I had no idea what happened because Israel would have declared war uh, probably in between Friday night and Saturday morning. And so uh, I was out in my run Saturday morning, no idea what's going on in the world because, you know, I'm going for a run. And so I'm running uh, down the street. And I get a text from my mom. And she's like, don't worry, we're okay. And I'm like, what the heck are you talking about, you know? And so, uh, so I called my mom and I was talking to her on the phone and she's like, oh, really, it's not that big of a deal. Israel declared war, but it's okay, they sent 5,000 bombs, but don't worry, we're fine, you know? And, uh, and so uh, I just want to relay the message uh, and reassure you again, they are safe. They're having a great time. Uh, just to show you the headspace that they're in, uh, my dad was really upset yesterday uh, because he wasn't able to, to go to all the places he wanted to go to yesterday. That's, the, that's what he's thinking about right now. And so uh, I, I can't wait. Uh, for them to come back home. I'm sure they're gonna have so many stories and so many things to share with us that I can't wait to hear about. Uh, and real quick, a few announcements for you before I uh, jump into my message today. First of all, I'll give you an opportunity to give. Uh, we are a generous church. It's one of our values that we're contributors. We don't just consume. We don't just get what we can get, but we give. And it's your giving that funds this ministry that allows us to do what it is that we do and allows us to grow, allows us to do the things that God is calling us to do. And so we thank you for your giving. Without your giving, this isn't what we do is not possible. Uh, and so we're so thankful for that. Uh, a quick announcement for you. Saturday, October 27th. How many of you guys know it's Halloween season? hey September, right when the calendar turned to September, I went for a run early in the morning. It's dark outside, and there's witches and warlocks and zombies in my neighbor's yard. And I'm like, what the heck is happening to you? It's September. Come on, take a hint, man. It's too early. But uh, it's uh, Halloween. It's, we're coming up on Halloween, and our church is doing a, a trunk or treat uh, outreach for the community. Uh, and so invite your neighbors, invite your friends, invite your family to come to this. It's a great opportunity just to put a bug in their ear. Uh, about Elevate Ministries. We're a church that cares about the community. We care about people. And so make sure uh, you invite somebody out to that. And the, the last announcement I give you, Friday nights uh, are our youth gatherings, Elevate Nights. Uh, I have the privilege and honor to be able to pastor the young people in this church. And, uh, oh, thank you. Wow, appreciate it. Um, the truth is that there's so many things in our world that are fighting for the attention of young people. So many things in our world that are fighting for headspace in, in young people. And I'm so glad to be a part of a church that counters that attack, that, that says that they're not okay with that and they're gonna do everything they can to see young people live the life that they're called to live. And uh, so I just wanna give a little selfless plug uh, for Friday nights, for, for you parents, if you have uh, kids in the age of middle school, high school, Make sure you bring them Friday nights. Make every opportunity you can for God to touch their lives because it will be the greatest decision as a parent you've ever made. And so Friday nights at 7 p.m. I believe we're gonna have a good time this morning. I, I, I've got a lot of jokes in this message. We're gonna have a lot of fun, okay? It's gonna, this is a fun message. I don't know why, but when I was writing this message this past week, I don't know, this, this 
spirit of humor just came over me and I was having a lot of fun writing it. So uh, we're gonna have fun this morning, but before we jump into it, let's just pray. Father God, I pray that you would open up our hearts, open up our minds to receive what it is that your word is going to speak to us. God, I pray you'd use me. God, you use the words that I speak to deliver in clarity and deliver your truth and the power that is in your word. We thank you in Jesus' name. Everyone said Amen. So I have a message for you this morning, and I've titled my message today this, Certified Fresh and Rotten Tomatoes. How many of you guys have ever used the Rotten Tomatoes app? You guys ever heard of the Rotten Tomatoes app, right? The, the movie rating site. I'm going to need some response from you today. I'm bringing out the youthful spirit and you old bones today, if that's okay. Um, certified Fresh and Rotten Tomatoes. And how many of you guys have ever used the app, Rotten Tomatoes, right? It's, it's fairly popular. One of the most popular movie uh, review websites in the world. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you, though. I don't use Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, I did. I used to. I switched over to IMDb, okay? I'm an IMDb guy. And you think, well, why? Well, there's a reason for that. You ready for it? Rotten Tomatoes, although it's a great website, IMDb has this awesome feature called Parent's Guide, Okay, and so when a movie comes out, you're like, man, this movie looks dope now because I found IMDb and I am a saint, amen? <laughs> I'm just kidding, it's a joke, don't take it seriously. Uh, but before I go watch the movie, I check the parent's guide, it'll tell me all the crap that's in this movie that I should look out for. And so that, you, you know, if you go to the movies and you just say, I'm just gonna watch this movie today, and the next thing you know, there's some naked chick on the screen, you're like, whoa, how'd that happen? Well, parent's guide, IMDb, change your life, yeah, help you live like a Christian. Uh, and so uh, that's the app that I use, but we're gonna be talking about uh, Certified Fresh, the Rotten Tomatoes app today. Now, Rotten Tomatoes is one of the most popular uh, movie rating sites in the world, and the way that Rotten Tomatoes rates their movies is very unique because they use something called the tomato meter, okay? This is how they rate their movies, the tomato meter. And uh, the way this works is they use these different icons to represent how the movie has done. So the first icon that we would recognize is the nice, ripe, red tomato, right? Tomatoes, nasty. But <laughs> the ripe, red tomato. And you get this emblem when at least 60% of critic reviews leave a positive review on this movie, okay? So when 60% of the critics say this was a good movie, you get a nice, ripe Tomato. The next icon you get is a green splat, okay? And that is supposed to be a rotten tomato. And how do you get that? Well, you get that when six, less than 60% of critics say this movie, no good. Okay, you following me? And then you have these other icons. You've got a full popcorn bucket, and you've got a popcorn bucket that's been tossed on the floor. The full popcorn bucket means that 60% of people that saw this movie said it was a good movie. The popcorn on the floor says less than 60% of people that saw this movie said it was no good. But then there's this special certificate. You ready? There's this nice emblem, and it's called Certified Fresh. It's what every movie wants. Every movie wants to be Certified Fresh. And the way you get Certified Fresh is you requ it, requ it requires three things. Excuse me. A constant tomato meter score of 75% or higher. So you have to get 75% of good reviews, at least five reviews from the top critics in the world, and at least 80 reviews from people. And so if you get these three accolades, you receive 
a certified fresh emblem on your movie and basically tells you, look, this movie, it's good, okay? It's a good movie. Just to give you a general idea of how this app works. Now, here's where the problem lies. You ready for the problem? Has there ever been a movie that you're really excited to see? A movie that's like coming out and you're like, I've been waiting for this movie for a long time. This movie is going to be sweet. I, I can't wait for this movie to come out. And everything about this movie looks good. The actors look good. The, the story looks good. The trailer was good. The soundtrack is good. The, the director is good, right? The, the story is based on a true story, which means it's gonna be a good movie, right? Like we, we look at all of these different things. A uh, little note for you, if you're watching a trailer for a Netflix movie and it says, from the producers of, what that means is this movie isn't gonna be any, there's not gonna be any reason for you to watch this movie, so we have to give you every reason possible because this movie's not gonna be any good, but it's from the producers of this movie, okay? So don't watch those ones, but... Uh, you have all these different things that we look at, actors, the director, the trailer was good, all of these different things. But then the movie comes out. And when this movie comes out, you're so excited, you're, you're so pumped, you've been waiting for this moment, and the movie in the theaters just bombs. You know what I'm talking about? I have a few examples for you. Um, for me, uh, you know, how many of you guys remember Taken 1? The Taken movie, Liam Neeson, great movie, right? Awesome movie. You're like, man, Liam Neeson is the man, dude. That guy is sweet. How many of you guys remember Taken 2? Ooh, right? Trash. That movie was awful. Why? Because all they did was just rewrite the same story, and everywhere where the daughter was, they put in the mom. And they're like, we can take in two. The mom gets taken this time. Yeah, it's just such a dumb idea, right? But when the trailer came out, when you saw the movie poster at the theaters, you're like, Dude, Taken 2, oh my God, I can't, I can't wait for that movie. It's gonna be so good. And then you look at the reviews, Taken 2 got a 20%. It's not, that's pretty rough, right? That's not, that's not very good. For the ladies out there, are you ready for the, or, or the married men, it's okay, and there's no shame in my game, okay? For the ladies, Valentine's Day. How many of you guys remember that movie? Yes, right, like Valentine's Day, there we go. It had the, the rom-com star-studded cast. Are you ready for it? I'm gonna list them off so fast for you. Ready? Are you ready? I don't think you're ready. Jessica Alba, Jessica Biel, Bradley Cooper, Jamie Foxx, Jennifer Gardner, Anne Hathaway, Ashton Kutcher, Queen Latifah, Taylor Lautner, George Lopez, Emma Roberts, Julia Roberts, and T-Swizzle, bro. Taylor Swift, right? That is like the rom-com dream team, right? That's like, there's no way this movie's gonna suck. 19%, that movie was awful, right? And the reason why is because there's 35 different love stories going on at the exact same time. You have no idea what's happening. But the movie was, just wasn't any good, right? Here's, here's another one for you. For, uh, for me, I was, uh, when I was a kid, I was a big Adam Sandler guy. You know, Adam Sandler's funny when you're 10 and then you grow up and you realize he's not funny anymore. But, uh, you know, I remember I was young and this movie was coming out called Jack and Jill. You guys remember that? Where he plays his own twin sister. Remember that? I remember as a 10-year-old sitting in the theater thinking, man, this movie sucks, dude. This movie is terrible. That movie got a 2%. Pretty rough, right? Pretty rough. How many of you guys remember the original Jaws movie? 
right? Everybody in here should have seen the Jaws movie, Steven Spielberg, awesome movie. And they did three of them. They did Jaws 1, 2, and 3. And uh, they were all pretty good. How many of you guys remember Jaws The Revenge? It's the fourth movie of the three-movie sequel, okay? And, and this is like Steven Spielberg is like, I'm done. I don't want to do these anymore. And so they, they announced Jaws the Revenge with a different director. It's the one where uh, Jaws eats Shamu. If, if you remember that, he eats Shamu in the movie. It's crazy. But uh, I remember thinking as a kid, shark movies are dope, dude. It doesn't matter how bad it is. The movie's going to be sweet. And so I remember I was so excited for this movie to come out. came out. I had the video game for it, believe it or not. And uh, the movie came out got a 0% review. Awful, right? That's really, really bad. And the truth is, is that I know every single one of you are just like me, okay? I know you're all just like me because you saw the terrible reviews for a movie that you were excited about and you thought to yourself, what do critics know about movies? They don't know anything. I know this movie. This movie can't be that bad. It's definitely gonna be better than that. They don't know anything, and you go and you watch the movie anyways, and the movie ends, and you just think to yourself, man, what a waste of time. That movie was awful. Anybody else been there where you're like, there's no way it's that bad, and you watch it, and you're like, wow, it was that bad. Why did I just watch that? Waste two hours of your life that you will never get back, and I believe there's, there's something to be said about, about this, and I felt that God placed, he placed a word on my heart for you this morning that I believe is gonna speak to us. And if I were to sum up this entire message right from the beginning in just one small sentence for you, I'm gonna lay it all out way before I even start, okay? I would say it like this. I would say there is proof in the fruit. There is proof in the fruit. If you're awake this morning, can you tell someone next to you there is proof in the fruit? There is proof in the fruit. If you have your Bibles this morning, or if you have your iPhone this morning, that's okay. If you have your Android, don't worry about it. The scriptures will be on the screen. Hey, yo. Uh, but we're going to be reading in Genesis chapter number 29. Genesis chapter 29 is where we're going to be focusing on this morning. As you get there, I'll just give you a little bit of background of what's going on in this story. So Genesis chapter 29, it's, it's, it's following a man named Jacob and his journey to find a woman. Hey, yo. So single man out here, this is your book right here. Uh, and he, he's, he's looking for a wife. In chapter number 28, Jacob's father, Isaac, tells him, Jacob, I don't want you to marry a Canaanite woman. I don't want you to marry a Canaanite woman because the Canaanite woman, they were, the Canaanites, period, were idol worshipers. They worshiped false Gods, And so he said, instead, uh, Jacob, I want you to go to your mother's brother's house. His name is Laban. And I want you to go to his house. And I want you to pick one of his daughters to be your wife. And before the young people start thinking, ooh, that's gross. Let me just tell you this morning, that's, it was, this was completely normal at this time. Uh, God gave humanity one responsibility. When there was only one couple on the earth, one family on the earth, he said, multiply, fill the earth. And what did you have to do? You had to do what you had to do. How many guys are thankful that you live in the New Testament, the New Testament rule where my cousins do not have to be my future spouse? Thank God for that. Come on, someone say amen to that. Yeah, you know your cousins are weird. You're like, thank, thank the Lord I avoided that one, right? And so when we read this story, this is kind of what's going on. And it starts off in verse number 
15, it says this, Laban said to him, so Laban, again, is Jacob's uncle. Laban said to him, just because you are a relative of mine, should you work for me for nothing? Tell me what your wage should be. And now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes. Some translations say this, her eyes had no sparkle. Ouch, right? That, that sucks. In other words, she wasn't cute, okay? And it says, but Rachel, she had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Hey, yo. I, I, like, I like the NLT version. You ready? I, I like the NLT version because it says, there was no sparkle in Leah's eyes, but Rachel had a, had a beautiful ver- uh, face and a lovely, uh, beautiful figure and a lovely face. There you go, right? That's winning on both sides, okay? Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, but this is my favorite translation, okay? This is, the Bible's not boring. The Bible's fun. You're boring. Uh, this is my favorite translation. It's in the King James Version. You know, the whole thou, half, you know, like, we don't use those words anymore. They're too complicated for me. But uh, a, little, a little game for you, okay? A little wisdom for you. Husbands that are looking for a new way to compliment your wife this afternoon, here it is. Wisdom for the old people, Riz is like, you got game, okay? Just to clarify that. Sorry, I forgot I was talking to older people too. Uh, Genesis 29, in the King James Version, it says this, that Leah was tender-eyed, she was nasty, but Rachel, ready for this, was beautiful and well-favored. Hey, yo, that's a King James compliment for you husbands out there. Let your wife know today, woman, you are well favored in the right areas, okay? You got it going on, yes. But when I read this verse in verse number 17, I always thought this is kind of, it's kind of messed up, you know? It's kind of a jacked up thing. You know, Leah, she wasn't, she wasn't cute, but Rachel she was beautiful, and she's got the body, right? She's got the curves, like, right? Leah's got nothing, dude. That, that, it, it's kind of sad, you know? And um, it says Rachel was proportionately blessed, you know what I mean? Her face was cute, but her figure was cute too. Proportionately blessed. Sorry, I'll move on. But Leah, <laughs> Leah, she, was, she wasn't cute. You must really not be cute for the Bible to say she wasn't cute, you know what I'm saying? You know, I, I, picture this with me. Like Moses is, Moses is documenting this story for us. So Moses is sitting there and he's writing this story. And God had to send an angel from heaven to tell Moses, tap on the shoulder and say, hey, don't forget to tell them, Leah, she wasn't cute. Right? Like it's, it's a little extreme. It's like, why, why is this in there? Why was that? Ne- I don't think it's necessary. Let me read you the scripture without it. Rachel was beautiful and well-favored, and then there was Leah. Gets the point across, right? It didn't have to say Leah was nasty, but Rachel, she had it going on. But one of the things I've learned growing up in church and something that seems to be, it seems to become more and more true for me as I've gotten older and, and growing up in this church is that there's nothing that has ever been written in the Bible that is there without a purpose. I love what 2 Timothy says. It says that all scripture is breathed by God and is profitable for teaching, reproof, and correction. And a lot of times I open up the Bible and I read scriptures and I'm like, why on earth is this in here? What does that even mean? But this scripture tells us that everything written in the Bible, 
All the small little details, it is all breathed by God and it can teach us something. And there's something in this story that I learned as I read it a few weeks ago. Verse number 18, Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for you seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. Talking about the, the pretty girl, right? Rachel. And Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than some other man. So stay here with me. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. And all the ladies said, aw, right, so cute. Verse number 21, Jacob said to his uncle Laban, give me my wife, my time is complete, and I want to make love with her. All you men out there, that's your father-in-law, don't talk to him like that, okay? That's not, not a great way to enter the family. Verse number 22, so Laban brought together all the people of the place and gave a feast. But when the evening came, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob, and Jacob made love to her. So he's working for Rachel, but he brought in Leah. This should point out to us that even Leah's dad didn't think she was cute, right? Like she, even he was kind of like, eh, I'm gonna have to deceive somebody to marry you. Like he had to, it's what the Bible says. It says that he, he, had to, he had to sneak her in the dark, okay? But in other translations, it says he waited till it was dark. This is before Thomas Edison, people. No light bulbs, okay? It's dark. And so they said, uh, other translations say it was dark. Then he covered her face with a veil. Then he brought her into Jacob. If you're that bad where the darkness isn't enough, but you gotta cover your face in the darkness, you're, you're looking at something different, okay? But it shows us this in this story that even her father looked at her in that way. In verse 25, it says, when morning came, yikes, right? Like, that's what Jacob said, oh, what did I do? It says, there was Leah. And so Jacob said to his uncle Laban, what is this you have done to me? I served you for Rachel. Why have you deceived me? And Laban replied, it is not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. How many guys would say, that would have been nice to know before we did this. But the story goes on, it says, uh, he said, finish this daughter's bridal week. Then we will give you the younger one also and in return for another seven years of work. Hey, anybody that requires 14 years of work, not worth it. Um, verse number 28, and so Jacob did so. He finished the week with Leah and then Laban gave his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Verse 30, Jacob made love to Rachel also and his love for Rachel was greater than his love for Leah. And he worked for Laban for another seven years. Years. I think there's so much uh, we can take and learn from this story this morning. But there are two things that I want to focus on this morning. And really, I, I have two challenges for you to take with you as you leave this place today. And if you're taking notes, the first one is this. you got to choose what is fruitful. You have to choose what is fruitful. Let me talk about this a little bit this morning. Verse number uh, 31 in our text, it says that when the Lord saw that Leah was not Loved, he enabled her to conceive, but Rachel remained childless. So one was beautiful. Rachel was beautiful. One was fruitful. Rachel was beautiful, but Leah, 
She was fruitful. Sometimes in your life, you will face a question that you will need to answer. And you'll have to answer this, will I pursue what is fruitful or will I pursue what is beautiful? Will I pursue what is fruitful or will I pursue what is beautiful? Because a lot of the times what is fruitful and what is beautiful are not the same thing. Why don't you hear me today? Maybe the reason why scripture is constantly reminding us to live by faith, reminding us to focus on things above, not on what's beneath, reminding us not to focus on what is seen, but to focus on what is unseen is because it's trying to tell us something. Maybe the reason the Bible says those things is because the enemy will entice you with what is beautiful and what is seen and use what is attractive to keep you barren. The enemy will use what looks good, what sounds good, what feels good to trap you in something that is not good. And in this story, we see a perfect example that I think we can find ourselves in a lot of times. A lot of the times we find ourselves, we're drawn to the beautiful things over the fruitful things. A lot of times we're drawn to what looks good and what feels good over what actually is good. And what's the big deal about that? Why is that a problem? Well, the problem is that God has called us to live fruitful lives. Unfortunately, God hasn't called us to be beautiful. He's called us to be fruitful. I mean, I want you to think about this with me. The very first command that God gave to humanity. A lot of times we hear that and we think, I went to Sunday school, I know that. He said, do not eat that apple from that tree. That's how we respond. Do not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And if you find yourself thinking that way, let me tell you this morning, that is an unhealthy mentality to have. The reason why is because our world and our society has this misconception that they're pushing on people today that the church and Christianity is all about what you can't do. The Bible is a list of rules that you must follow. God doesn't want you to enjoy life. God doesn't want you to have fun. Our world has this conception that everything the church does is about limiting what you can do. It's a giant rule book, but that could not be further from the truth. Everything that God has done, everything that is written in this book is solely focused on what you can do, not what you cannot do. Everything God has ever done was to enable you to do things you couldn't do. Everything he has done was to save you from doing things that you were doing. Nothing is about what you can't do, because here's the truth, you can do whatever you want. You make your own decisions. God gave you free will, but the Bible is full of things that we can do through him now, and it also is a book for us to understand the things that we should not do for the benefit of ourselves. Our world tells us that the Bible says you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do that, and it makes up this lie that God prohibits more than he provides for us. It is not true. And so the very first command that we get from God is Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. Right after he created man, he says this, God blessed them and said to them this, be fruitful. It's not what they can't do. He's saying, do what I have enabled you to do. He had given mankind the ability to produce fruit. 
And everything God speaks to you is more focused on what you can do than what you cannot do. And so if this is what God is calling us to do, if this is how God is calling us to live, then we need to choose what is fruitful. In order to be fruitful, we have to choose what is fruitful. We have to learn to choose what is fruitful over what's, what is beautiful. What do these decisions look like? Well, work may not be beautiful, but it's fruitful. Going to the gym may not be attractive, but it's fruitful. Studying may not look, they may not look fun and it may not look good, but it's fruitful. You may not feel like reading your Bible every day, but it's fruitful. Worship may not be pretty, but it's fruitful. Waking up early on a Saturday morning to come to the church for prayer, I can attest to you, it doesn't look good all the time, but I can tell you it is fruitful. Tithing, giving, doesn't look good, but it's fruitful. Telling someone the truth, even when it's something they don't wanna hear and it's something you don't wanna tell them, it may not feel good, it may not sound good, but guess what, it's fruitful. Single people need to understand she may look good, he may look good, but it doesn't mean that they're fruitful. We must choose what's fruitful over what looks good. Look, sleeping in looks good. It's not fruitful. Twinkies, Dave's Hot Chicken, gas, but it's not fruitful. Buying, buying those new shoes that you saw online that are so sick, the limited edition shoes that you must have, it might not be, it might look good. They might look clean, but they are not fruitful. Taking the day off of work might sound good, but it might not be fruitful. Staying home and watching your favorite football team lose at 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning may sound good, but it's not fruitful. We have to choose what is fruitful. It's a decision that you and I have to make. Let's continue on in our story, verse, 29, or verse 30, excuse me, it says, Jacob made love to Rachel also, and his love for Rachel was greater than his love for Leah. You guys following me? I know it's a lot of names, but it says that he worked for Laban for another seven years. And when the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he enabled her to conceive, but Rachel remained childless. Verse 32, Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben. I want you to catch this. Four verses right back to back. 32, Leah became pregnant, gave birth to a son. Verse number 33, she conceived again. Verse number 34, again she conceived. Verse number 35, she conceived again. Something to be learned from the scripture is that Jacob loved Rachel more than Leah. Jacob was drawn to Rachel more than he was drawn to Leah. He thought Rachel was more attractive than Leah. He thought Rachel was better than Leah, but Leah was doing something because Jacob kept coming back to Leah. Because even though Jacob loved Rachel more than he loved Leah, even though he thought Rachel was better than Leah, he thought Rachel was prettier than Leah, Jacob continued to return back to Leah. Why? This is so important for us to understand in this story is that attractive things may please you, but only fruitful things can satisfy you. Rachel may have been attractive, she wasn't fruitful. 
And the attractive things will please you for a moment, but only fruitful things can satisfy you. And the devil knows what attracts you. He knows what lures you in. He knows what has the ability to trap you. He knows what will make you tick. He knows where your weaknesses are. But hear me today, only God knows what will satisfy you. Only God knows what will fulfill you. It may not be the prettiest thing. It may not be the easiest thing. It may not be how you imagined it would be. It may not happen the way you thought it would happen. But I can assure you with 100% conviction this morning, it will be fruitful. And we have to choose what is fruitful. It may not be beautiful. It may not look good. It may not sound good. But we have to choose what is fruitful. And I think there's something else. Another challenge I want to give you today that we see in this story and it's this, you have to choose to be fruitful. We talked about choosing what is fruitful, but we have to, be to, we have to choose to be fruitful. When, when I read this story, it's hard for me to read this story and not feel bad for, for Leah. Because she's in this horrible position that nobody would ever want to experience. She's in this spot I think most of us can only even imagine what she's feeling because she's with a man that doesn't love her. Instead, he's in love with her sister. And this has probably been an ongoing issue in her life for a long time. But the truth is that's only scratching the surface of what's really going on in this story. I think even beyond that, Leah, she must be struggling all kinds of emotions because... Not only does the Bible record that Jacob loved Rachel more than he loved Leah, but the Bible records that Leah was well aware of the fact that Jacob loved Rachel more than he loved her. She's well aware of the fact that Jacob did not choose her, but Jacob was deceived to be with her. And even a step further than that, Leah was discarded by her own father and disregarded by her own husband. You can picture how horrible of a situation this would be. And I think there's something to be said in this for us, is that there are just some things in your life that you cannot control. You can pray for the best, you can hope for the best, but there are some things that will just happen. You have no control over how you were brought into this world. You have no control over what your background may be. You have no say about the family that you were brought in. You have no control over how people treat you. You have no control over what someone else might do to you. There are things in your life that happen and there is nothing that you can do to prevent it. And that's a really hard thing for us to be able to accept that there are crappy times in life and there's no way to avoid them. People raised in broken families, what do you do? You can't prevent it from happening. It just, it just happens. But the truth is, is that everything that has happened to you, no matter how bad it may seem, Everything has led you to this point in this moment today. It has brought you here in this room today. 
And the truth is, is even though it had the power to get you here, it has no power over you today. And we can come from all different backgrounds. We can come from all different stories. And it doesn't matter what your circumstances look like. You can choose to be fruitful. And one of the things I love about this story in Genesis 29 is that it's a perfect example for us that just because you have it all together on the outside, just because you look like everything's good, doesn't mean you have it all together. Because Leah may not have been beautiful like her sister, Rachel. Leah may have been a little jacked up on the outside, but Leah, hear me, was producing fruit. There was fruit coming out of Leah's life. However, it seemed like Rachel had it all together. Rachel had the beautiful figure and the beautiful face. Rachel was the one that was chosen to be with. There's so many things to look at this story and say, Rachel had it going for her, but there was no fruit out of Rachel's life. There was nothing that Rachel was producing, and I'm not just talking about making babies and children and all that. I, I need you to understand there's a deeper thing going on in this story because when we read the details of this story, we'll see that what enabled Leah to conceive and what blocked Rachel from having children, it wasn't about something on the outside. It wasn't about a circumstance. Instead, it was the byproduct of the decisions that they were making in their lives. It's so important that we understand this because that, if this is true, this means that you can choose to be fruitful regardless of your circumstance. And so while Leah is in this difficult situation, we see something in the way that she names her children. Can I show you this morning? We see something in the way she names her children. The first son she has, she names him Reuben, which means this, the Lord has seen me. Second son she has, she names him Simeon, and she says, the Lord has heard me. And her fourth kid she has, his name is, his name is Judah, and, she, and, and that means, I will praise the Lord. So while Leah is in this difficult situation, she recognizes that God sees her, she recognizes that God hears her, and then she comes to this conclusion, I'm gonna praise God in the midst of this circumstance. Even though this circumstance sucks, even though I'm unwanted and unloved, even though I'm discarded by my father and disregarded by my husband, I'm gonna praise the Lord anyways in this circumstance. But if we look later in this story, we get a little bit of insight into Rachel's life. Because Leah was fruitful, but Rachel, she may have been pretty, but she wasn't producing fruit. Verse number 30, uh, chapter 31, verse number three, it says this. The Lord said to Jacob, Jacob, I want you to go back to the land of your fathers. Tell him, Jacob, I want you to go home. And so Jacob gets everything ready to go, and, and, and as they're packing up their bags, getting ready to go, Rachel does something, and we see it in verse number 19. It says that when Laban had gone to shear his sheep, Rachel stole her father's household gods. And not only does she steal her father's gods, but she gets caught. And the story continues in verse number 34. It says that Rachel had taken the household gods and she had put them inside of her camel's saddle and was sitting on them. And Laban searched through everything in the tent, but he found nothing. And Rachel said to her father, don't be angry, my Lord, that I cannot stand up in your presence because I'm having my period. So he searched, but he could not find the household gods. 
So Jacob was attracted to Rachel on the outside. Rachel was beautiful. But he had no idea what he was dealing with on the inside. Because Rachel may have looked like she was the perfect fit and she may have looked like she had it all together. But on the inside, Rachel, not only was she an idol worshiper, but she was also a liar. And this should open our eyes to see that you can have it all together on the outside, but be barren on the inside. You can have everything going for you on the outside, but on the inside, be jacked up. You know, I, I came across this Instagram video one time. A little fun fact about me, I'm really bad at gardening and landscape, okay? Just so you know, that is not my gifting Amen. The Lord has not anointed my hands with life. He's anointed them with death when I touch plants. Um, and, uh, you know, a while ago, just to show you how true this is, because you're probably like, you're just exaggerating. No, are you ready for it? Uh, we did a, a youth beach day a while ago, a couple months ago. While we were at the beach at our beach day, my dad and Pastor Carl, went, they went to the house and they were they were trimming the trees and planting plants while I was gone, thinking, I am so sick of it looking like this. Just to show you, okay? And I'm not ashamed of that, that's okay. But I was on Instagram and uh, I, was, I was swiping through reels like, like, like we all do, right? And I'm going through reels and I come across this video, landscaping hack. And I was like, let's go, yes. This is what I need, right? And she's like, this is, this is the best way to make your plants look like they're thriving all the time. Sounds like a good plan, right? Lisa knows exactly what I'm talking about. And uh, I'm like, sick, let, let's get into this, right? Thinking there's a magic seed that you just drop in, just boom, it sprouts back to life. And, and so she, she shows you this plant that's just brown. It's completely dead, dude. Just like no life on it at all. And she takes a piece of cardboard, puts it in front of her house, shakes up a green can of spray paint, just spray paints it back to life. And I was like, there we go, dude, there's the solution. When the plants start to die, just spray it back to life and everything looks good. You see, but the, the truth is, is that I think we do this in church all the time. We're, we're barren on the inside. We're dry on the inside. And we present ourselves like everything's fine, everything's okay. Nothing a, a, a can of spray paint can't fix, right? And we come to church and we cover up all of the areas in our lives that need the most attention. The areas that have grown dead, that have grown barren, we try to cover them all up by making them look alive. We try to cover up our struggles with Christian words and Bible scriptures on our Instagram stories. But look, you can't fake fruit. There is proof in your fruit. There is proof in the fruit and you haven't been called to look fruitful because Rachel may have looked fruitful. You've been called to be fruitful. And if you aren't producing fruit in your life, let me suggest to you this morning that it might have something to do with the decisions that you are making. You have to choose to be fruitful. Colossians 1.10, what does it say? So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work. Talking about the way that we live. That every decision that we make would be a decision that bears fruit, that is pleasing to God. We have to choose to be fruitful. 
It's not circumstantial. It's not something that happens for some people and doesn't happen for others. It is a decision that you have to make. I'm going to be fruitful. So we have to choose what is fruitful and we have to choose to be fruitful. And I'm gonna close, but I still have some stuff I wanna talk to you about, so don't go anywhere. The truth is the choice is, the choice is ours today. It doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter where you've been, you can, choose, you can choose to be fruitful and you can choose what is fruitful. It doesn't matter how you came in here this morning. It doesn't matter what led you to this point today. You can choose what is fruitful and you can choose to be fruitful. Maybe you can relate to the people in this story. Maybe you can relate to Rachel and you've, you've got it all together on the outside, but on the inside, you're barren. That from the outside perspective, everything looks good, everything looks fine, but on the inside, you're, you're spiritually dry. Really deep down, there's something that just isn't right. You're making decisions that you shouldn't, be, you shouldn't be making. And even though we can put on this facade and act like everything's fine, your decisions are gonna determine whether you're fruitful or not. And so Rachel, she looked like she had it all together, but her decisions, they kept her barren. Maybe you're like Leah. Maybe you're like Leah and you're struggling with the situation of life that you're in right now. Maybe you're upset about something that has happened to you. You're, you're, you're hurting because of how someone treated you. Maybe you're hurting because, of, because you come from a broken family or your marriage or your relationship is just really struggling. Maybe you've gone through things that you had no control over and now you're left picking up the pieces of somebody else's mess. Maybe you've been dealt a bad hand and, and now you just have to deal with it. If that's you, I, I wanna take a moment. I wanna just encourage you for a second if I can. Romans 8, 28 says that we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. And there are gonna be times where we ask questions like, why would God allow me to go through something like this? If God is good, God is just, God is faithful. Why, why would God allow me to experience this, experience loss, experience pain, experience sickness? Why would God allow me to go through this? Why would God allow this to happen? Why, why wouldn't God intervene? And all I can honestly say is that sometimes God's purpose and what he has prepared for you in your life, it's not always gonna make sense. It's not always gonna make sense to us, but the reason why I shared that scripture with you is because I know that God uses the broken and the twisted things and he turns them for good. He's been doing it since the beginning of time. And we can see this in this story. This is so powerful that how this story started was Laban deceived Jacob into marrying Leah. A woman he didn't wanna marry, a woman he didn't really want anything to do with. And Laban deceived Jacob into marrying his daughter Leah. And as a byproduct of the relationship between Jacob and Leah, talked about how Leah was just in this horrible situation. She's discarded by her own father, disregarded by her own husband. Her husband didn't love her. He loved his, her sister more than her. It's just this awful situation. And you gotta think in that season, you gotta think Rachel was asking the question, what could ever come out of this for me? 
And I think when we're going through it, and we're going through hard times, we ask those same questions. We read scriptures like Romans 8, 28. It says that everything turns for good for those who love God. But we ask the question, how? How on earth is this gonna benefit me? How on earth can anything good come out of this? But God uses broken things to bring out the best blessings. And so Laban's deception, it led to Jacob marrying Leah. And Leah was stuck in this relationship that she, she didn't wanna be in. She wasn't happy. But the Bible says that because, as a byproduct of this relationship, that would have never happened if it wasn't for Laban's deception that Leah gets pregnant. You probably think, oh, what's the big deal? What's the big issue about that? Why, why does that matter? Well, because her fourth kid she has is a man named Judah. If you follow the lineage of Judah, a few generations later, you're gonna find yourself reading about a man named Jesus who came to this earth. He died a perfect sacrifice. He died on a cross for you and I. It's the greatest gift that we could ever receive. The greatest blessing we could ever get. And he came and he sacrificed his perfect life for a bunch of imperfect people that didn't deserve it. And that blessing came out of Laban's deception to Jacob. And so I, I wanna give an opportunity for anybody in this room that you've been going through life and you find yourself in these situations that just aren't working. You don't know, you, you don't understand. How, how can anything good ever come out of this? Well, I, I wanna give an opportunity for anybody in this room that has never accepted Christ into your life. Look, we're all imperfect. All of us made mistakes over and over again. I continue to make mistakes over and over again. But the reason why we gather this place on a Sunday isn't just to sing songs and have a great time, but it's because 2,000 years ago, a man named Jesus walked this earth, lived a perfect life, never made a single mistake. And he took up a criminal's death and died on a cross to pay the price for our failures and our mistakes. And why did he do that? He did that just because he loves you and he wants relationship with you. And you might think, how can a God that's good, how can a God that loves me allow me to go through situations that I've gone through? It doesn't always make sense to us, but the greatest blessings of God oftentimes come out of the hardest seasons of our lives. And so I wanna give an opportunity for anybody in this room that has never accepted Christ into your life to do that because it is the greatest blessing that could ever take place in your life that God can reconcile you back into relationship with Him, forgive you of your sins, and give you a brand new life. So if there's anybody in this room today that wants to make that decision, never done it before, you wanna give your life to Jesus this morning, would you just raise your hand wherever you're at? Nobody looking around. There's just a single person in this room. Just throw your hand up in the air. I see that hand right there. Thank you, you can put that down. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody want to join this one brave man? I see that hand right there. We're going to pray for you. 
I see that hand right there. We're gonna pray for you this morning. Anybody else, just give you a moment, just an opportunity. It's the greatest opportunity you'll ever have. I mean, if you raise your hand, you may could you stand up? Can you, can you come join me up at this stage? I'm, I wanna pray for you. Well, it's the best decision you could ever make. I'm gonna lead you through something really simple. It's okay, you can come up, it's fine. I promise I'm not weird. So what we're gonna do is, is we're, gonna, we're gonna do a salvation prayer this morning. And I talked about how Jesus came to this earth, lived a perfect life, died on a cross for us. And we, we've probably all heard the scripture, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God wants to, he wants to give that to you. He has a gift for you. He wants to give you a brand new start. Wipe your slate completely clean. And it's not to say that as we leave this place, we're gonna be perfect. We're gonna to continue to make mistakes. But the difference is now we're gonna be under the covering and the grace in the blood of Jesus. And that blood washes us clean. And so in the sight of God, we're deemed as holy, as the righteousness of Christ. And all we have to do to receive that is really simple. It's recognize that we're not perfect, which we've already done. We have to believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord, that he came to this earth, died on a cross, rose again. And when we confess that with our mouths, the Bible says that we will be saved. It's really simple. So we're just gonna pray it together. Can we do that? Can we all pray together? Repeat after me, Father God, we come before you. God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I've made mistakes. Come on, use your mouth, it's okay. God, I'm sorry that I've made mistakes. I'm not perfect. God, but I thank you for what you did on the cross. You came to this earth and you died a death you didn't deserve so that I could be made whole. And God, I believe it. I believe that on the third day you rose again. And God, I'm making you Lord over my life today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father God, I pray for all three people that are up here right now, God. And I pray, God, we're so thankful for the decision that they made, God, today. But I pray, Father God, that it would just be the beginning of a work that you're going to do within them, God. That you would give them love, joy, peace, comfort, God. That you would overwhelm them with grace and mercy, God. That as they leave this place, God, they're going to continue to struggle and make mistakes, God. But we're under the covering of your blood that makes us renewed every day. God, and so I pray for all three of these people, God, that as they leave this place, they would no longer live in the old, but they would live in the new, because all things have been made new. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Congratulations. Congratulations. So happy for you guys. We have a few people that want to talk to you. We have a few people that want to talk to you, and so they're, they're just going to talk to you for a little bit in this room. I, I have something that I want to point out to you. Uh, Something else that happened in this passage that honestly, when I was writing this message, it was probably the most convicting thing that I saw. And 
when I was reading this story, I think I found myself relating to Jacob more than anybody else. To where I, I feel like a lot of times I'm drawn to the attractive things over the fruitful things. And I have to make a decision not to choose what is attractive or what looks good or what feels good, but I have to choose what is good, what is fruitful. And so maybe you're like me, maybe you're like Jacob, and you're struggling with this choice of what is attractive versus what is fruitful. You try and you try, but you just can't seem to get it right. There's something so interesting that happens in this story that if we go back to where this story started in verse number 28, Jacob's father Isaac and his wife Rebecca tell him, Jacob, we, we don't want you to marry a Canaanite because they're idol worshipers. It's not, it's not good for you. And so they say, I, I want you to go to your mother's brother's house, Laban. I want you to pick a wife there. What are they doing? They're, they're, trying, to, they're trying to protect Jacob from making a terrible decision. And so Jacob goes, he goes to Laban's house, and the sole purpose why he's there is to avoid marrying a, a Canaanite woman. Why? Because they worshiped false gods. But somehow, Jacob finds himself married to an idol worshiper named Rachel. And I think this, this, this showed me, you can have the best intentions. And you can do everything in your own power to choose what is right, but still find yourself choosing what is attractive over what is fruitful. Because the whole reason why Jacob was there, I don't wanna marry a false idol worshiper. And he found himself in that same situation anyways, married to Rachel, why? Because he chose what was attractive over what was fruitful. But the good news in this story is this, is that this is not a one-time decision that you make and you have to deal with the consequences for the rest of your life. But instead, this is a decision that you have to make every single day. And that tells me that even though I may have chosen what was attractive yesterday, I can choose what's fruitful today. Even though I chose what looked good, what felt good, what sounded good yesterday, I can choose what's fruitful today. And I know this because in this story, Jacob didn't just make one decision because at the end of Jacob's life, found in Genesis chapter 49, Jacob is talking to his children and he says this, says he gave him these instructions for I'm about to be gathered to my people bury me with my fathers in the cave in the field of Ephron the Hittite so Jacob's about to die says this there Abraham and his wife Sarah were buried there Isaac and his wife Rebecca were buried and there I buried Leah Jacob loved Rachel more than he loved Leah Right, that's what we read in our text in verse 20, in chapter 29. Jacob thought Rachel was better than Leah. He thought she was prettier than Leah. Jacob was drawn to Leah and he loved, he loved Rachel more than Leah. But at the end of his life, we see that Jacob chose what was fruitful over what was attractive. Where's Rachel in this story? 
Well, at some point on a journey, Rachel died and Jacob buried her in the wilderness. What is that? That's a picture for us to see that you have an opportunity today, regardless of what you chose yesterday. You have an opportunity to choose what is fruitful today. And what's attractive might satisfy you for a moment. It might feel good. It might sound good. It might look good. But only what is fruitful can satisfy you. And so my prayer today, my challenge for you today is that we would be a church and a people that replicate the decision that Jacob made. That even though at one point we may have gone with what was attractive, but we are going to choose what is fruitful and we are going to choose to be fruitful. That's my challenge for you today. Choose what is fruitful and choose to be fruitful. Choose to have fruitful people in your life. Not the, not the most fun, not the craziest, not the ones that are attractive, the ones that are fruitful. Choose the fruitful things in life. Not what looks good, what feels good, but choose what is going to produce fruit within you. Come on, is there anybody in this room that wants to make a decision today with me that I'm going to choose what is fruitful and I'm going to choose to be fruitful? If that's you, can you stand to your feet this morning? We're going to pray together. We're going to make a declaration to God this morning. God, I'm not going to choose what is attractive. I'm going to choose what is fruitful. I'm not going to choose what looks good. I'm going to choose what is good. So Father God, we come before you right now, God, and we commit to you, God, that even though we may have chosen what was attractive in the past, we may have made the wrong decision earlier. God, we make the decision today. I'm going to pursue what is fruitful. I'm going to pursue what makes me fruitful, God. I'm not going to choose what looks good, what feels good, what sounds good. I'm going to choose what is good. I'm going to choose what you say. I'm going to do things the way you say to do them, God. Not because it looks good, not because it's easy, but because it's hard and the hard things produce perseverance and the difficult things produce fruit in our lives. Come on, can you pray to the Lord right now? Just lift your voice wherever you're at. God, we choose what is fruitful. We choose to be fruitful. We are going to be a people that are fruitful, a church that is fruitful because there is proof in the fruit, God, and that every decision that we make, God, would be a decision that bears fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can you lift a shout of praise this morning? Come on, sing it out. Sing holy. Lift it up. Sing it holy, holy to my one and only who is like our God. Come on. Let our hearts adore you as we bow before you. There's no one like our God. Come on, sing it. Sing it holy, holy to my one and only who is like 
Come on. Well, as we go from this place this morning, I know there's going to be on the forefront of my mind the decisions that I make. Are they fruitful decisions? Or are they just good-looking things that I'm choosing? As a, it's a convicting message today, and I'm so grateful for it. I'm so thankful that God is able to speak things to us that aren't just good for, nice for our ears to hear, but things that actually bring about fruit in our lives, and this is one of those messages. And so thank you, Lord Jesus, for the message this morning. Lord, I pray, Lord, that it wouldn't go in one ear and out the other ear, Lord, but it would make its way down into our hearts, Lord, that every day, every moment, starting at this very moment, Lord, that the decisions that we make, Lord, that they would be decisions based on the fruit that we get out of those decisions, Lord, not just what looks good. We thank you, Lord, for who you are and for what you're doing in our lives. Lord, we continue to ask, Lord, for protection for Pastor Adam and Sister Carrie. Lord, as they're over in, in, uh, in Israel right now, Lord, bring them home safe to us, Lord. We love you and we thank you, Lord, for this beautiful day and for the future, Lord, because with you, Lord, the future is always bright, Lord. We love you in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining with us today at Elevate. God bless you as you go from this place. Take care.